Goldendale, and hello to all of my fellow liberty-loving Americans all across the fruited plains from sea to shining sea. This is the host who loves you the most, Luke Throop, here on another fine, fabulous, fantastic, fiery Friday morning, friends. Torch Report 326. Today, I am going to tell you a story. Uh, In the end, ultimately, we each get to finish our own script. But if you think about it, if you really think about it, what we've been talking about all this week, uh, it really comes down to this fact that we're each born into a story. We're living out that story every moment of every day. Uh, We don't necessarily get to pick our parents or our circumstances of birth. We don't get to pick the story that we're born into. We don't really have any control over the environment that we're raised in or the cultural uh, upbringing that we have. We go through all of that, you know, all taken together. This immersive world within which we grow and mature, it imparts powerful stories to us that stick with us for life. But we do get to revise those stories. And ultimately, we get to tell our own story the way that we want to choose to tell our story. And that's really important when it comes to the narrative. Now, similarly, like you think about it at the daily or the weekly level. So this week, we each started out with our own story. How's the week treating you? It's Friday, you know, uh, Relative to our personal circumstance, you know, we're each in a different place doing different things. We've got our own little stories going on, but then there's the other stories out there in the world. And so we we pull together uh, all of the information that we got, everything leading up to this present moment in life. And it's in that context of our personal stories, if you were with me on Monday, uh, that we we began to examine, we began to pull in some of the other facts, like the possibility there was going to be a global run on the banks that was going to spark a catastrophic collapse of the financial system. And of course, that was a story that some people believed. And some people were really, really worked up about it. Others were not so much worked up about it, (laughs) kind of depending on what story one chose to accept, what story one chose to believe. Now, for my part, uh, just in case you weren't with me on Monday, I said, hey, keep calm and carry on. You know, yes, There will be a financial collapse. And yes, we will be transitioned to a digital currency. But this was not the week for that. Okay, that wasn't it. Monday, the SVB and all that, that was not it. So keep calm and carry on. You know, of course, (laughs) I could always be completely wrong, friends. If at any point in time you think, wow, this guy's right a lot, just don't forget that I could always be completely wrong. You know, I don't ask you to take my word for anything. I I say the torch report is the truth. You can trust not because I ask you to take my word for it, but because you can, you know, I share the information so you can look into it and develop your own informed perspective. Tell the story how you will. Now, uh, I pointed out on Monday, there was more to the story with all this kind of stuff. And it appeared all of the hype in the headlines was just a distraction. It was a classic, almost textbook distraction, actually, that brought forth the following admonition. You know, when the propaganda is operating in concert. When all the stories you hear sound like the same story, something is up always, you know? And what's interesting this this morning as I was looking back over the week and looking at the headlines today, in retrospect, this whole story about the Silicon Valley Bank has, has played out very interesting 
You know, they, there was all this fear there was going to be contagion and, and other banks were going to go down. It was going to spread to Europe and all that kind of stuff. And this fear of contagion has assuaged, it's been assuaged by the big banks. You know, the big banks, come to find out, have stepped up with their own benevolent private sort of bailout. So we've got the biggest banks. Uh, today, we learned that the biggest banks, they, they've they've put out there a historic $30 billion injection of private funds to bail out this First Republic Bank. Of course, they didn't bail out the the uh, Silicon Valley Bank, but they did bail out the the uh, First Republic Bank. And I think it was just really a convenient PR stunt that feeds this story. And I'm going to read a little quote here to you. Quote, America's financial system is among the best in the world. And America's banks, the large, the mid-sized, the community banks, they do an extraordinary job of serving the banking needs of their unique customers and communities. The banking system has strong credit, plenty of liquidity, strong capital, and strong profitability. Recent events did nothing to change this. End quote. Now, that's an interesting synopsis. Not everybody would uh, agree with that, I'm say, I would, I would guess, you know. Uh, but what's your takeaway from this story? You know, I, I read that and I think, wow, geez, gosh, you know, uh, the big banks must be the good guys. The big banks are looking out for the little guys, you know, because because the big banks, they value and they appreciate the little guys. You know, and beyond all of that, of course, everyone can feel safe and everyone can feel secure that big gov and the big banks, they're not going to allow anything bad to happen with the American banking system. I mean, everything is strong and, and liquid and, and profitable. Right. What a great story. You know, that's just the kind of story that builds trust and restores the public's faith in these institutions, does it not? Now, what better time to roll out a controversial update to the underlying financial system than when such good faith and trust are running high? Right. So what what we see here is all of this, you know, it. There was going to be panic. There was going to be runs on the bank and everybody was freaking out. But no, no, you know, that the, the Fed stepped in, you know, now we got the private banks stepping in and everything's good. Everything's solid. OK, now they happen to be rolling out today. They announced the launch of the Fed now instant payment system. And of course, we've been talking about that. That's kind of the precursor to central bank digital coin and all that. But notwithstanding the connection between the Fed now and the forthcoming CBDC, you know, this is being presented as another gift to the public from the benevolent big bank benefactors. You know, if you don't believe me, just ask them. The big banks say, quote, the launch reflects an important milestone in the journey to help financial institutions serve customer needs for instant payments to better support nearly every aspect of our economy. End quote. That's according to Tom Barkin, the president of the Federal Reserve Bank of Richmond and the FedNow program's executive sponsor. Now, what you see here is that they are helping the public. They are serving the public. They are supporting the public. That's the story that's being told. And then 
once they have this new digital instant payment system fully you know up and running well uh, set to be fully up and running in july it's going to be amazing you know this is definitely not a trojan horse to central bank digital currency and a total inescapable surveillance state you know their intentions friends their intentions are pure as the wind driven snow the bonus here of course is that this new system will soon be leveraged to keep track of everyone's transactions in real time to quote, monitor for aggregated concentrations of inbound and outbound activity uh, <laughs> and use machine learning to score transactions. Hmm, end quote. Fascinating. What a great service. Wow, they're going to track uh, all this inbound and outbound aggregated activity, which could be the sign of potential mule activity. You know, it's a great story, friends. It's a great story. It's almost as heartwarming as the Chinese Communist Party being a role model for the world, or the fact that the Chinese leader Xi Jinping is out there with Vladimir Putin today. You know, they're talking about broadening Beijing's role as a peacemaker on the world stage. Oh, kumbaya, you know, the Chinese are urging peace talks and political solutions. It might even just uh, it might stave off World War III. It's amazing. Doesn't it sound so wonderful? Evidently, <laughs> as a side note, friends, uh, all this good news and heartwarming, uh, you know, Chinese uh, peacemaking, it, it's freed up the Pentagon. The Pentagon now has more free time to mobilize their support for all those tech startups uh, that went under with SVB that are, you know, feeding their war machines. So that's why I saw an article out there talking about that. I was like, what? Yeah, the Pentagon, it's going to uh, take care of all of those tech startups that feed the war machines. So, you know, at any rate, as nice as all this sounds, friends, there's always more to the story. And like I was saying in the beginning, you know, there there is going to be a transition to global digital currency. That's going to happen. There is going to be a financial collapse. That's going to happen. It's going to be a controlled demolition. And I really suspect that it's going to come from a cyber attack under the auspice of war. And that, that's been my suspicion. We've talked about that. But today, uh, <laughs> Out in the news today, at the same time as, you know, on some channels, China's being promoted as a world peacemaker. Also, there's news out there that there's been a recent rash of these stealthy cyber attacks that could only have come from China. You know, these, these cyber attacks are said to exhibit a new level of ingenuity and sophistication. You know, uh, it's amazing. It has to be a state sponsor. It must be China. So as i'm reading that and i'm thinking you know on the no on the note of next level ingenuity and sophistication you know it turns out that the uh, genetic data from the market in wuhan where evil people were caught in illegal wildlife trade you know they this has finally solved the mysterious origins of COVID. This story should put your mind to rest. If you had any question about where did COVID come from, this is it, you know. An international team of virus experts said on Thursday that they had found genetic data from the market in Wuhan, China, linking coronavirus with raccoon dogs that were for sale there. <laughs> 
Oh, friends, there you have it. You know, now you know, you know, now, now, now I know, you know, that the worst pandemic in over a century was really ignited by an infected animal uh, and, and Dr. Fauci funding gain of function research just down the street. That didn't have anything to do with it. You know, nothing to do with it whatsoever, friends. Uh, if you don't believe me, just look at the st- look at the headlines <laughs> because Dr. Fauci, you know, he's honest. Dr. Fauci, he's amazing. He's the real deal. Now, whether we're talking about a, a chimera gain-of-function virus spreading through a raccoon dog, <laughs> which is just ridiculous, right? It's so stupid. Or, or we're talking about uh, big banks, you know, you, you know, a, a viral attack bringing down the economic system. There, there, there's, a, there's a connection here, and the connection is what story do you believe? You know, do you believe that Dr. Fauci is the real deal? Do you believe that coronavirus came from a raccoon dog in the Wuhan wet market? You know, uh, do you believe that that China, the Chinese Communist Party is a peacekeeper on the world stage? Do you believe that uh, Vladimir Putin is an evil Russian tyrant and that he, you know, he, he started a war by by taking down a drone over the Black Sea? You know, that was an act of war. What do you believe? You know, did you read that story earlier in the week? I'd shared a link to a story. It was about the uh, the Pentagon officials who were suggesting that an alien mothership in our solar system could be sending mini probes to Earth. Now that's the story, you know. Did you believe? Did you read that story? And if you did, do you believe it? I mean, it's coming from the Pentagon. We're talking about government officials here. This is where the information is coming from, you know. Or, you know, how about that story about Russia committing an act of war against the United States by bringing down a U.S. spy drone somewhere over the Black Sea? You know, now that was rude. Gosh, you know, they can't do that. Uh, It's kind of funny if you think about it. You look at a map. You got the United States way over here. And then you've got the Black Sea way over there. You know, a U.S. drone got shot down over the Black Sea on Russia's back porch. And it was Russia that started the act of war. It's just, it just, you know, it's a story. The point is this. Millions upon millions of people have read all of these stories and more. And millions upon millions of people believe these stories and more. You know, but perhaps the most disturbing thing about all this is that many of these millions upon millions of people who have read and believe these stories, they would flatly reject any story that counters the story that they've already heard, a story that they already believe. So the first story, they hear it or they hear it often enough. uh, That's the story they believe. This is human nature. And as discussed in Thursday's report on the depravity of deception, this is rooted in ego. The ego says, my story is right, your story is wrong. And this has long been exploited by the global elite. Now, our, you know, to be fair, this is all part of the human condition, but our, our egos need a narrative. And that's why our ego is so easily deceived. We have to have a story. And it's just easier to adopt and accept the story and reject anything that, that, that uh, would counter the story or disturb the story, right? And I want to point out that the ego can be conditioned to believe that you must defer your judgment to the experts. You know, you must defer your judgment to the government. You must defer your judgment to some other perceived authority. And it's interesting. I say you, your your ego can be deceived, but you have to defer. It's a choice, or it's like as if you don't have the choice. Uh, ultimately, all of this is exploiting 
the fact that the ego, our egos, all of us, you know, we want to be good. Our ego wants to be good. It seeks approval. It needs acceptance. Again, it's all part of being a human being. So don't sweat it. Just learn to recognize it for what it is. It's a head trip, but that's how we're being exploited. And the reality of the situation, friends, is that you don't need the government's approval to be good. You know, you're already good, <laughs> even without the government stamp of approval. You're like a, you know, a fine steak that's never been in, in, inspected by the USDA. You know, similarly, in reality, your acceptance in society is in no way contingent upon the government, despite the decades long effort to convince you otherwise. Okay, we don't need the government's approval. We don't need the government's acceptance, though they have been doing everything they can to condition people, to condition the ego to do that, to get that little pat on the head for being a good human and, and doing your part because it's for the greater good and all of that. Okay, it's self sacrificing to the cult collective, but we don't have to do that. You know, to, to grasp the fact that our, you know, we don't need the government stamp of approval. That may seem common sense. We don't need, you know, our acceptance in society is in no way contingent upon the government. Uh, to, to kind of wrap your head around that, I was thinking about it, like, think about it in terms of being accepted into a gang, for example. Now, though the gang may be full of thugs and criminals, you know, who are wholly unwholesome and, you know, the bane of civil society, a direct challenge to the government authority, you know, their need for acceptance is met by virtue of being in the gang. Thus, you know, their identity is intact and their ego is happy. No government approval needed. And they don't really give a rat's ass what you or I or society thinks about it. Okay, that's the way, uh, that's how powerful the ego is. You might think about what what stories uh, are rolling through the minds of the average gang member. You know, who knows? You know, what what story did they grow up with? You know, and... <laughs> You know, to the to the extent that uh, we all have our stories and those stories do shape our our path in life, a lot of people succumb to the undertow, the subconscious inertia of their early childhood stories. You know, they get their identity rooted in crime or in whatever the case may be. It's very hard to break out of that, but that's part of being human. But you know, back to the you know the the fact that we're each endowed with our own unique stories, the story that we're born into. You know, this, this ties into the overarching global narrative. You know, remember that it is the narrative that our minds use to make sense of things. It's the narrative that feeds our egos the stories that we accept as truth, shaping our perception and ultimately driving our beliefs and behaviors. You know, this, the great narrative that we were talking about Yesterday, you know, it's the book, The Great Narrative, written by Klaus Schwab. It's part two of COVID-19, The Great Reset. So they got The Great Reset, and then you get The Great Narrative. Uh, the, re the Great Reset turned the whole world upside down, everything crazy and, and heightened suggestibility. And now in this heightened, the state of heightened suggestibility, we have The Great Narrative. And the great narrative of modern times is that you and I are soulless, hackable animals who are destroying the planet with our unsustainable Western lifestyles. That's the uh, story. That's the narrative. And you're going to have to sacrifice your comfort and your well-being and your gas cook stove and everything else good in life in order to achieve sustainable development. The Agenda 2030 to save the planet. We have to totally submit ourselves to the inescapable global socialist state. Oh, my gosh. You know? <laughs> but, friends, fortunately, 
we can and we should and we must reject this narrative and rewrite the story for ourselves. We each get to write our own inner narrative. We each get to tell our own story. It's amazing. You know, this allows us to break free from the conditioned mental submission to to the state, to the state-sponsored story. This is how we can begin to awaken the human spirit, how we can help people realize that we are each infinitely unique, which is the opposite of the collective. You know, we're, we are actually incredibly powerful cosmic creatures, which is the opposite of dependency on the government. You know, we can resist and resist we must, which is the opposite of helplessness. We can shape the future through the power of our choices, which is the opposite of centralized control. And all of this, friends, taken together is the opposite of global tyranny. In other words, I believe that we can win this battle for the hearts and minds of humanity through the power of story. And that's the story I want to tell today, friends. That is the message of my heart for today. Friends, if you're enjoying this podcast, please take the time to find that little heart on the Substack app or the website. Click that heart and give me some love. Subscribe if you have not subscribed already. Uh, Don't forget, you can support this publication by joining the Patriot Club. And of course, the greatest honor of all is if you share this podcast with everyone you know. Get out there and embrace this fine, fabulous, fantastic Friday, friends. And I'll look forward to talking to you again soon. 